From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Oklahoma returns to the field on Saturday against SMU. Probably be a tougher opponent than Arkansas State, of course. 73 to nothing, Mason. I just didn't expect the game to be like that. I knew that Oklahoma would win. I just didn't expect that dominating performance. I really thought Arkansas State would, you know, put up a little bit more of a fight than they did. Uh, what did what did you think about that game? I felt bad for Butch Jones. I mean, we we <laughs> saw we saw him get emotional on the sideline as things started to get out of hand. You had one of his players consoling him. That went viral and. He said after the game, you know, that the speed differential, the physicality differences was way different than what OU put on tape last year and a, a greater differential than he'd faced in his coaching career. So tough one for him, but a good start for the Sooners, a really good baseline for this season. You know, this SMU team coming in uh, 11 or 5 o'clock ESPN Plus game, this will be a, a, talent, a talented team and a challenging test for the Sooners. Do you know who was supposed to play Oklahoma on Saturday, Mason? Yep, it was Georgia, but they canceled that game because of the SEC transition. So Two-time defending national champion Georgia. First time since the Rose Bowl in the 2017 season. That was going to be a game. A little-known fact that this game was supposed to celebrate the 2023 100-year anniversary of games being played at Memorial Stadium. So uh, this was a game that was filled in by Joe Castiglione. Uh, this is going to be a pretty good SMU team. This is a pretty good offense. They had a pretty good week one win over Louisiana Tech. So uh, I think this is going to be a test that's going to challenge the Sooners. I think OU is still a 16, 17-point favorite going into the game. But this is the kind of test that Oklahoma really needs to see what they can do uh, defensively, especially. I was impressed with Oklahoma's defense. I'd love to see their starters get a little bit more run. Uh, I want to see this team be stressed a little more. I want to see some third down situations. I want to see uh, Oklahoma's red zone defense a little more. And I think there will be some red zone opportunities on defense. I want to see Oklahoma be put in some third down situations. Again, offensively put on put in some third down situations where they have to, you know, you know play a little bit more efficiently too. So I think uh, both uh, Jeff Levy and Ted Riffle and Brent Venables, they're going to see some, uh, some situations where they're going to see what their, their team can do to execute. Right. I think especially on the defensive side of the ball, you just never really saw Arkansas State put OU's defense in an, un- in an uncomfortable position. SMU reeled off some big plays in their season opener against Louisiana Tech. There were some explosive plays that uh, were a big part of that victory. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see what they draw up offensively to go against uh, Brent Venables and Ted Roof's defense. But I would bet on the defense being tested a little bit more this time for sure. Brett Lashley, the coach at uh, SMU, uh... Gus Malzahn protege. He was a quarterback for Gus Malzahn in high school, really followed his career path, was a GA at Auburn uh, when Ted Roof was a defensive coach, assistant coach at Auburn too. So a little bit of history there. A little bit of history on the uh, the defensive front at SMU with Calvin Thibodeau, a former Oklahoma assistant. You wrote a really nice story on Calvin. And it was interesting when Brent Venables took the job at Oklahoma, uh, everyone wondered who was going to be retained, who was going to be offered jobs at Oklahoma, who was going to follow Lincoln Riley to, to USC. And Calvin Thibodeau was one of those guys. We didn't know where he was going to go. Was he going to be offered a job at Oklahoma? Uh, Brent Venables uh, was brought Todd Bates, as we all know, brought Todd Bates uh, to OU from Clemson. Uh, Todd Bates is just a wildly successful coach. And uh, it turns out he's a really good hire for the OU staff. But talk a little bit about Calvin and the, the conversation you had with Calvin this week about 
what his journey was like and what those those weeks were like for Calvin when, you know, a former player at Oklahoma, former uh, all big, big 12 player at Oklahoma and what, what it was like for him in those weeks when Lincoln left and he really didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah, he was a pleasure to talk to and really appreciated his time because he definitely didn't have to open up about that. But the thing that he conveyed and the thing that Brent Venables conveyed was there was the utmost transparency there. Brent Venables was honest that, you know, he wanted he wanted to bring Todd Bates with him if Todd Bates would come and he was going to offer to let him be the the defensive line coach first and foremost. So Calvin Thibodeau um, ended up back at SMU. His wife's from Dallas. Her parents are there. It was a good fit for his family to be close to family as they were transitioning to the next phase of their life. And obviously SMU now presents a very great opportunity for him because they're going to the ACC next season. And so he's going to be right back coaching power conference football next season. And I think everybody that knows him well, that I talked to that uh, believes that he will excel, he'll continue to succeed um, in that space. And it's already paying dividends, just the way that he builds relationships with his players. SMU has Corey Roberson, who, He's a former OU defensive tackle that um, Calvin recruited and developed. And when he got in the transfer portal after spring ball, uh, he went to SMU and he returned an interception for a touchdown in SMU's first game. So some great progress there. And for Calvin Thibodeau, you know, coming back to Norman this weekend, it won't be awkward at all. He said he's visited Norman several times and uh, he's, he's very happy for Brent Venables and that he's leading the Sooners forward. And, He's just excited for a great opportunity for SMU to come down and play OU. Calvin Thibodeau is going to do a game plan against an Oklahoma offense that really hit on all cylinders against Arkansas State. And you look at the quarterbacks, 30 to 33. Uh, I did a story on the, the three incompletions by Dylan Gabriel. He had the best passing game of his five-year career, both at UCF and Oklahoma. Two of the three passes could have been caught. Uh, Jacques Petaway could have caught a, a swing pass, hit him in the hands. Jalil Farouk had a, a ball really, really fall through his hands. Jeff Levy said probably should have been caught in the end zone. Uh, only one throwaway. I was just really impressed with Dylan Gabriel's efficiency in his first game. Uh, the backup quarterback comes in, goes 11 for 11. Jackson Arnold really impressed me with the way he threw the ball. Uh, impressed me with his legs, too. They wanted to, uh, Jeff Levy said wanted to dirty him up, had him run some power plays, power run. Uh, that could be a really neat part of the package for Oklahoma's offense moving forward. Uh, just impressed with what this offense was able to do. Now, the quarterback, we talk about the quarterbacks a lot, but this run game, who's going to be the running backs? I, I They shared the wealth. I don't think they found the featured back in week one. And I think there's it, going to be a filling out period in these non-conference games of who the featured back is going to be. I don't know if we'll know until conference play who's going to be the uh, the featured back. And Jeff Levy even said, you know, it's going to be determining who who has the hot hand. And I don't know when you're spreading the wealth if you're going to have time to find out who the hot hand is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who that plays out. I think that's a good situation, honestly, because last year they really just had Eric Gray. I mean, Marcus Major played a little bit early last year, but then he got hurt. Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk really hadn't emerged yet. At the beginning of last season, it was just Eric Gray. And throughout the season, they put a lot of miles on his legs. So I think having uh, the depth that they have is is a really good thing. I think it's what you need in this in this age of college football. But yeah, it, it will be interesting to see if somebody emerges as a, as a bell cow back for sure. The wide receiver, uh, we saw Andre Anthony really fourth play of the game, catch a 40-yard pass, and uh, they, they spread the ball around Petaway with nine plays. Now here's 
here's the thing. We don't know the injury situation with Drake Stoops, uh, you know, shoulder issue. Uh, he got injured. And uh, I heard another podcast say that he joked that he was, uh, he felt like he was on the way to a 200 yard receiving game. He had a great first quarter and it's tough to see a senior go down like that early in the game. Um, Gavin Freeman, though, he's such a special player here, here going into the game. Here's my question. Do you still allow Gavin Freeman to return punts when he's, you know, the backup player to Stoops at that position? Uh, you know, there's a reason we saw Petaway catch nine uh, passes on Saturday. You know, he's in that position too. He runs that slot position as well. Uh, you know, do you is Freeman and Petaway going to be a big part of the offense as well moving forward? Uh, do we see Peyton Bowen return punts? Do we see, uh, you know, uh, Buckley Shelton return punts? What's going to happen to that that punt return spot? Uh, we'll see that moving forward, but. Gavin Freeman's really turned into a big part of this offense, uh, you know, not only uh, uh, catching passes, but returning punts. Just I was really impressed with that 82-yard punt return and just the weapon that he's really turned into for this Oklahoma football team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to the point that Brent Venables previously made with Billy Bowman doing kickoff returns, you know, they lost five games last year by one score. They're not exactly in a position to save guys. So, Maybe the fact that they have both Freeman and Petaway that know everything about the slot position and can play the slot, maybe that means that even with, if Drake Stoops is out this week, that they're still comfortable with Freeman returning and, they, and, and they're not worried about him getting hurt on returns. But I guess we'll see. They do have a lot of good options. Like you said, I wouldn't hate to see Peyton Bowen return some punts and see what he can do in the return game. It, it seems like from what I can recall, he was a dynamic returner at, at a – Denton Geyer. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see if they get him more opportunities with the ball in his hands in that way. So SMU at Oklahoma, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Saturday, five o'clock ESPN plus. So not on regular TV yet subscription base. We, there's always one game a year uh, when this game is thrown on that uh, subscription base channel, Sooner Vision. So uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. We'll have a lot to talk about. Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, interesting arena. Let's talk football. Let's move from football to arena. Uh, there, there was talk again every year, every 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 few years. There's always talk about a new arena, and uh, you covered uh, a big event yesterday. And there's talk about a new arena yet again in in North Norman. Uh, what 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 did you learn yesterday? And kind of kind of describe what your uh, reporting led to yesterday. Yeah, so Team Norman, which is a, a coalition of not anything with really any official authority, but a coalition of a bunch of leaders from OU and the city of Norman. Um, it's led by Lawrence McKinney, who's the, the president of the Norman Economic Development Coalition. He is kind of the appointed leader of that that was appointed by OU President Joseph Harris Jr. and Norman Mayor Mary Heikola. And that coalition announced yesterday that they are planning a $1 billion um, entertainment district in North Norman uh, that would include a sporting and entertainment arena that would be used for OU basketball and women's gymnastics. There was a similar proposal to this back in 2017 that didn't pass through city council and it seems like that there's a lot more optimism that this one might because they've kind of restructured how some of the funding is going to work. Uh, the previous proposal the funding was 50 private 50 public, and the city was going to be asked to pay a lot into this through the tax increment funding. This time, it's 80% private and 20% city. 
So the mayor said that the city will only be on the hook for about 27 million taxpayer taxpayers will be on the hook for that amount. And the rest is going to be through private donorship. The biggest question is, okay, well, where is that 80% of the money from private donorship coming from? Uh, who can OU get to write the check to help build this entertainment district that would include an arena? And, and I think the thing that's really interesting too is they're selling this as not just an OU basketball arena, but something that has really big impact for the entire Norman community. OU would only be leasing 28% of the availability of this arena every year. So the other 72% is open for concerts, business expos, and other events that would benefit the city of Norman in a grander way. OU President Joseph Harris said he's not concerned that an off-campus arena would lead to a decline in student attendance. So that's good that they're positive about that. They believe that the arena would be about 8,000 seats, which should really help to play up the raucous atmosphere of that. I know Porter Moser will be excited about that. He's obviously been a big part of trying to hype up the fans and get them re-excited about OU basketball. So we'll see where it goes. The timeline for completion on this is within the next three to four years. It won't be ready by the time OU enters the SEC, but they want to get it ready as quickly as they can, uh, if they can. And it'll be really fascinating to see how it progresses. It, it really just comes down to uh, can they get the money that they need and from where? There really is a definite need for a new arena. We look at the Lloyd Noble Center. It's, it's about to turn 50 years old. It's 48 years old now. And if this did come to fruition, like you said, the timetable, three to four years, uh, it would be over 50 years old if this took place. Uh, just a definite need to, for, for, you know, the Lloyd Noble Center has really fulfilled its purpose. It's done well, but moving men's basketball, women's basketball, as well as gymnastics to this arena would be big for the university, especially with the move to the SEC. Uh, you're right. It would provide it, you know, what Lloyd Noble holds, what, about 11,000 right now. I think even going down to 8,000 would, would provide that atmosphere for basketball. That would be ideal. Um in the past, I think when they talked about the arena a couple of times, there was worries about students being at an off-campus uh, site. Uh, there, there was, you know, preliminary talks and everything's so preliminary of shuttling students to the site. I mean, there, there, there'd be some some things to, to talk about because it would be an off-campus venue. But I think Oklahoma would really work through that. Um, and, and, and there's a lot to be said for an SEC-type venue atmosphere you're, you're you're moving into the sec you want to have first class facilities the, the the thing i think is neat about this is they're selling this as not just for the university of oklahoma but for the city i mean the, the venues uh the the hotels the restaurants it, it's somewhere where families can go and originate and have fun it, it can make it a family night and things like that i think that's the big selling point will it happen i don't know and and, and i can see there's a lot of people you know, people that I've talked to, it's like, what makes this different from years past? And that's that's the thing. I think that's the selling point. We'll learn more. Uh, I think uh, we'll learn more next month, too, as I think uh, there's a Board of Regents meeting again next month, and we'll learn more there, and, and there'll be more details. But this was a big opening step. I know, Mason, you've been reporting on this for years. This isn't nothing new for you. You've been a part of this when this, this first happened a couple of years ago. So this is, uh, you, you've had sources on this for years now. Not This is nothing new to you. So uh, it, it's interesting to see this step coming forward and what they've learned. Um, I'm interested with the I-35 access too. Uh, it's going to be right off I-35 too. So our, our, it seems like they're reaching for fans, not only in the Norman community, but from the Oklahoma City metro area as well. 
100%. I think that they want to uh, improve the access to Oklahoma City in between it and Norman. I think that's a big deal. I think another angle that you can look at uh, this from is, is the recruiting advantage it provides. Having a new arena and having a atmosphere around it with shops and a hotel and bars and restaurants, I think is huge for, for selling to basketball recruits. Uh, Rayford Young, who's the father of former OU guard Trey Young, he was at the meeting yesterday where this was announced as a guest speaker. And he outlined that if something like this had been around in Norman when Trey Young was coming up at Norman North High School, then he never would have visited Kentucky or Kansas or Duke or North Carolina, any of the college basketball blue bloods that he might have considered opposed to attending OU. He never would have visit, visited them because OU's amenities would have been too great not to pass up. And so to hear that from the father of a player, you know, a player that's now a two-time NBA all-star, that's an all-NBA guard, that's one of the greatest players in OU men's basketball history, uh, you have to think about what kind of promise that would hold for the future of Porter Moser and Jenny Bronchek's recruiting efforts in Norman. Five-star recruit, uh, that's it. I mean, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma has a history of landing some of those local five-star recruits and there's a there's a lot to be said about staying home and when you can stay home and play in a immaculate venue that, that even you know can sway sway those decisions closer your way and you're right Jenny Bronchek Porter Mosier that would just really help their recruiting uh, even that much more so interesting going forward to see what happens with this uh, and we'll learn more next month and in the weeks to come what happens with this venue so. Uh, speaking of recruiting, I know Oklahoma basketball, everyone talks about size. Uh, you know, everyone talks about big man. It seems like Porter Mosier in years past have just been a, a big man away from uh, really getting over the hump, getting back to the NCAA tournament, building that stability. And it seems like in last week they got that power forward that they need to really kind of build around, build a base, build a foundation. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you got a commitment from Cool ATAC, who is a four-star Um power forward recruit in the, in the 24-7 sports composite. He's six foot nine. Uh, I think the, the questions with him, uh, it sounds like from what scouts are saying, he's a really good three-point shooter, which is an advantage uh, having, you know, a, a number four that can, that can stretch the floor with his shooting ability and also still have size. I think the big question about him right now is, is that he maybe doesn't play through physicality very well, that he needs to build up, muscle up a little bit, uh, kind of fill out his frame. So from a development perspective, that'll be key once uh, the Sooners get him on campus of getting him stronger and getting him more physical. In the immediate, you talked about uh, the need of a big man. Obviously, uh, OU added Pittsburgh transfer John Hughley um, over the offseason, who's a big uh, forward center type player. And, and maybe that'll kind of fill things up for them uh, this year. But if you can if you can add ATAC to your future roster and he's you know, a four, a stretch five that can also shoot the three, that that gives you a pretty big advantage if he builds up and becomes more physical on the defensive end. One last thing, talking recruiting, we're going to switch sports on you, softball. Uh, Three-time national championships, Oklahoma. Patty Gasso did not waste waste time uh, going to the class of 25. That, that God, class of 25, it, I'm getting old thinking about 25. These uh, two uh, juniors, high school juniors, have committed to uh, the 25 recruiting class uh, from the East Coast, uh, New Jersey. One of the best pitchers in the country, Sophia Bordy. Haddon Heights, New Jersey High School on uh, Tuesday committed. She's a pitcher. Uh, she uh, is considered the best pitcher in the country in the 25 class. 
uh, led her team to two straight national or national sorry state championships in New Jersey. Uh, get this perfect game in the title game last June, 16 strikeouts. That comes off her freshman year when he let she led her team with 20 strikeouts, a no hitter in that one. Her freshman season uh, committed to the Sooners. She plays for the OC Bath, the Orange County Batbusters. The New Jersey kid playing for the West Coast based Bass Busters. Can you imagine uh, cross country flights going to play travel ball in California being a New Jersey kid? That's amazing. So she has committed to the Sooners. And then uh, her battery mate, uh, class of 25 catcher from North. Okay, I'm going to butcher this. Oconee, I hope it's Oconee, Georgia. A uh, young lady by the name of Kendall Wells has given a verbal pledge to play for the Sooners. She's a catcher. Uh, travel ball team plays for Georgia Impact. Uh, outstanding, considered the top catcher in the class. So uh, she, Patty Gasso, has wasted no time uh, getting commitments from the 25 class. So they're 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 already on top of things over there with this uh, Oklahoma team. Uh, big news for the Sooners. Uh, it just the the dynasty, the machine keeps plugging along. So we'll see. In two years, we'll see what happens. And speaking of venues and stadiums, I'm really curious what the progress is like over at Love Field. Uh, you know, target dates this spring with, with, with that stadium. So I need to drive by and see what's going on over there. Mason, Mason, I might have you do that. Drive by and see what's going on over there. You know, I actually, I passed there a few times within the past couple of weeks and stuff's going up. I mean, there's there's frames and it looks like it's going to be legit. And it's just going to provide that much more of an advantage. Uh, I mean, obviously, Patty Gasso is obviously really connected. You talked about the Orange County Bat Busters. Mike Stiff and that travel team has literally just been a pipeline for them over the years. I mean, so many good players coming out of that travel organization. Uh, but having a new stadium is just going to provide that much more of an advantage. Um, and who wouldn't want to play for Oklahoma? Three straight national championships? I mean, it's just absurd. Like, who wouldn't want to play for Patty Gasso right now? And the stadium makes it just icing on the cake. So let's get through football season first. Again, <laughs> five o'clock Saturday, SMU going to be more of a test. I think Oklahoma fans will see a little bit more of what this team's about. Brent Venables is excited. Um, I'm excited just to see what this offense can do, what this defense can do, especially. We'll probably see a little bit more of the playmakers. Didn't really get an update on Drake Stoops, what his injury is. Uh, kind of curious. Uh, he did say that um, – a couple of the players, um, Gavin Salchuk, be available as well as uh, who who is who are we thinking of on defense? Who am I missing out on? Our Mason uh, Thomas. Our Mason Thomas, correct. Be back after an eight. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, so we'll uh, be back next week to break down some of the the SMU game and look ahead to Tulsa uh, next week, week three. So. Again, thank you for listening, OU Sports Extra. Get all your podcast information, though, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever platform you use, and we'll be back. Mason and I will uh, be back, TulsaWorld.com. Get all your OU Sports coverage.